Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 26, it says, For if we go on sinning willfully, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 26 and 27 are very difficult for many people. The main reason why it is difficult, the main reason why these verses are difficult, is because of the biases and the assumptions that people make concerning their faith, concerning what the gospel is, concerning what they believe with regards to their sins, how the Lord Jesus has dealt with those sins, and to what degree they may not have been completely dealt with. What I'm saying is is that people will read through the scriptures with assumptions. They read through the scriptures through the perspective of what they believe their faith is about, through what they believe the gospel is. And because of these assumptions, verses like this can be very difficult for some people who have false assumptions, who do believe things that are not true. For example, if you assume that once you have been saved, your sins are still held against you, then these verses are definitely going to be looked at differently. You're going to perceive these verses differently than somebody who does believe that their sins are no longer held against them. Let's consider what would happen if a person believes that their sins are still held against them and how these verses should be interpreted. If we make that assumption that your sins are still held against you to some degree, if you make that assumption, then when you read through these, what you're going to believe or what you're going to see from these verses is that once you have been saved, you had better be careful and ensure that you never sin again, because if you do, then you will go to hell. That's what these verses will mean if that is the assumption that you make when you first read through these verses. Again, in verse 26, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 and 27, it says, For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. In other words, if you continue to sin, there is no sacrifice for those sins. Once you have been saved, you had better be careful, because after you do sin, then there's no longer any sacrifice available for you concerning that sin. All you have to look forward to, but the terrifying expectation of judgment and, of course, going to hell. That's described in verse 27. So how do people deal with this? If that's what people read, according to that assumption, if that's what people read here, then what are they going to do? Well, there are a number of things that people can do. There are a number of gymnastics that people can go through. At least that's how I describe it, that these are scriptural gymnastics that people can go through in order to try and get through this. What people generally do is they start out with sinning willfully. That's one thing that people will do in order to deal with this. In verse 26, it says, for if we go on sinning willfully. So that's one way to deal with that, is that if we look at the verse and we say that if a person sins willfully, then 
their sins will be held against them in such a way that they will definitely go to hell, that there's no sacrifice remaining for that sin, we can address it from that perspective and say, so whatever you do, make sure you do not go out and sin willfully. That's one way that people deal with this, is that they say that as long as you don't sin willfully, as long as you don't intentionally, absolutely think to yourself now, at this moment, I am definitely going to take this wonderful opportunity to sin. I'm going to do it. I know I'm doing it. I'm absolutely going to do it. And I don't care about anything, anybody, and I don't care about what my God is going to think, that if that's the kind of sin that you're going to commit, then these verses apply to you. That's one way that people deal with it. However, when you think about sin, or at least when I think about sin, I do not know of any sin that I have ever committed that I did not willfully commit. I mean, when you sin, you are the one who chooses to commit that sin. You're the one who's responsible for that. You sin, you're responsible for it, you are going to be held accountable for it to some degree, if that's the case. Then you are the one who did that. I understand that there are times when we do things that people interpret incorrectly. They interpret things that you do or interpret things that you say in such a way that you did not intend, and so they feel as though you have sinned against them. Perhaps you have done something like that that you did not necessarily intend to do, but you did it anyway. But you know what? You still did it. You still did something. People perceive it in some way. They are hurt. It may be their fault, but either way, you were the one who chose to do that. And so depending upon a person's interpretation, you could... Sin willfully, maybe you didn't, but then what about God's interpretation? If you don't like somebody else's, then there is the Lord's. And you know what? The Lord has even a higher standard than anyone here on earth. If you were to take it further beyond that, that's what I'm doing. You consider what the Lord is going to think concerning what you do, what you say. He is definitely not going to misinterpret what's going on in your heart, not necessarily in your actions or in the things you communicate through your lips, whatever is going on in your heart. And so if you were to really think about this subject, I think that you should come to the conclusion that there are going to be at least some sins that you commit that are willful, that you're never going to be able to escape that. I mean, consider what would happen if you were to take this position and really follow through to its logical conclusion. Let's assume that you accept the Lord when you're young. You believe the gospel. You accept the Lord for who he is. You believe the truth that has been revealed. And you live most of your life, at least, all of your life from that point forward, being completely holy, never sinning, or at least not willfully, never making the choice to actually do something that you know is wrong, that you know is evil. And then you come to the end of your life, and just before you die, you commit some sin of some kind. You tell somebody something that is definitely wrong, that is definitely evil. You sin with your attitudes, you sin with your flesh, However it's manifested, at the end of your life you actually do that. You know what this means? This means that the gospel is that if you believe in the Lord Jesus as your Messiah, if you believe in him, then this is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for you. That's what this is. This is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Believe in him, trust in him, but remember, if you ever commit a sin willfully, if you ever do it, then it's going to be held against you, and you will go to hell. And so make sure you're very careful with how you do this. And so what do people do in order to try to accommodate this? Or what do people do in order to try to deal with this? Well, 
Certainly what people do, what they decide, is that they are not going to truly trust and believe in the Lord Jesus until perhaps the end of their life, maybe up until the last minute, just in order to ensure that they don't fit into this category, to ensure that they don't commit a willful sin and end up going to hell, because they've only got one shot at this. And I've met a lot of people who actually believe this. They really do believe this. There are people around you who do believe this because they have read these verses and this is the conclusion that they have come to. So you have to be careful concerning this. And so if if it's sinning willfully, if you have a willful commission of sin, then you're definitely you're definitely lost, you're going to go to hell, there's no hope for you. And people find this to be very difficult, to say the least. So what else will people do concerning this? Well, it does say, if we go on sinning willfully, go on. If we go on doing it, what people do is they take this phrase in verse 26, and they say, well, this could mean that if you perpetually, willfully go on, willfully sinning, if you continue to do it, to a certain extent, then the Lord is going to have to take you out. He's going to have to take you out of heaven in that abstract sense. He's going to have to take you out of the fellowship of his people. He's going to have to take you out from being in his family. He's going to have to take away your salvation because if you go on continually, willfully sinning, then eventually he's going to have enough of it. I mean, if you do it once or twice or three times or I don't know how many times, 10 times, 20 times, how many times is it going to take? That's the problem, is that when will you finally come to the point where it is recognized that you are continually going on willfully sinning? Well, people will say things like, well, as long as you stop it before you die, then you're okay. And there are people who I meet, there are people who I have met in many places at many times, And they are definitely struggling with this, where they do believe that they have to stop all of the sin in their life, or at least those that are definitely bothering them. They have to stop that soon, because if they don't cease from all of the sin, or at least these specific ones in their life experience before they die, then they're definitely going to fit in the category of continually committing the same sin, of continually sinning, of going on and going on and never stopping. And so the Lord will hold that against them, and that is the type of sin for which there is no sacrifice. And people live with a terrifying expectation of judgment. They live continually expecting the judgment that is eventually going to come because they cannot figure out, they cannot find a way to stop the sin in their life. And the reason why is because they will never stop sinning. That is not going to be real. That is not how our God created us. He did not create us for the purpose of not sinning. He created us for the purpose of knowing Him. And certainly He can do changes and transformations within within our hearts, within our being. He can definitely do that. And in many ways, we can then see a reduction of sin in our lives. I certainly will not argue that. I do believe that a person can experience, and I think that they should experience, a reduction of sin in their life. But to stop it entirely, to completely stop to the extent where you will never sin again, I don't think we need to argue that either. Just give it some time. Give it some time. And I do believe that you will finally recognize and see that it's not happening It's not happening for you. You will still struggle with it. You will continually struggle with sin because that's the circumstances that we are in while we are here in this world. 
And so when people read Hebrews chapter 10, especially verses 26 and 27, they have a wonderful opportunity to feel very condemned. But this is the point, and that is that if you're going to believe that your God holds your sins against you, then you should feel very condemned, because you will always have sin that he will be able to hold against you. And so what do we do with this? What do we do with these verses, if that's the case? Well, the problem has to do with our assumptions. And the assumption that I made when I first started speaking about these two verses is that the Lord will still hold our sins against us. That's the assumption that I made. But the truth of the matter is that I see in the scriptures is that sin is so evil, it is so horrible, that it required the death of the Messiah. It required the death of our God who manifested in the flesh and dwelt among us as the Lord Jesus. It required his death, his crucifixion, in order to deal with that sin. That that's the assumption that needs to be made. That you need to believe the truth that when the Lord Jesus died for your sins, he died for all of your sins, and he no longer holds your sins against you. That's what you have to recognize. You have to believe that first. But there are a lot of people who do not really believe that. There were a lot of people back in the time when this letter was written to the Hebrews. They did not really believe that. And there are many people today who also do not really believe that. Now, if you were to go to somebody and ask them, do you believe that your sins have been completely forgiven, past, present, and future? People will say, yes, that's not the problem. The problem is everything else that they believe on top of that that totally contradicts that fact. For example, if you ask a person, do you believe that if you sin, all you need to do is ask for forgiveness and through your confession and through your apology and through your requesting to be forgiven, in that way you will be forgiven. There are many people who will say, yes, I do believe that. But that is a total contradiction of the complete forgiveness of sins that we have. And I do realize that there is a verse in the scriptures, 1 John 1, 9, that does say that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But I believe that that is referring to an unbeliever who needs to confess that they do have sins that need to be forgiven. And if they will acknowledge that they have sins that need to be forgiven, then they can experience the forgiveness that has already been executed on their behalf. That is a mistranslation and a misinterpretation of 1 John 1.9, which is actually an answer to 1 John 1.8. I have done a program on this. You can download it from my radio archive or you can contact me and ask for the audio CD. Just ask me about 1 John 1.9 and I can direct you to the program that I've done concerning that. There are a number of things that people believe that causes them to believe something else than what is true. There are a number of assumptions that people make that contradicts the other things that they do believe that are actually true. In other words, the problem is not that they believe that they have been completely forgiven past, present, and future. The problem is everything else that they believe that contradicts that truth. The Hebrews, back in the time when this letter was written, were expressing this in a different way. They believed that they needed to continually go back to the temple, that they needed to go back to the temple to be a part of the Levitical priesthood and the sacrificial system that they were supporting, that they were continuing, as was described by the law of Moses. They believed that if they sinned against God, they would need to continually bring fellowship offerings and sin offerings in order to be reconciled to their God. They believed that they needed to go to the temple for the Day of Atonement. 
They believed that they needed to observe the Day of Atonement and recognize what was taking place on their behalf by the high priest there in the temple. They believed that they needed to be there for Passover and to sacrifice the Passover lamb. They believed that they needed to be there for the Feast of Tabernacles. They believed that they needed to observe the law of Moses to be circumcised and to observe the laws and the commands that were given by Moses. Otherwise, those sins would be held against them. That's what they believed. And by default, what that meant was, was that they did not believe in what the Lord Jesus did for them. They did not believe that the Lord Jesus was greater than the Levitical priesthood. They did not believe that the Lord Jesus was greater than the high priest. They did not believe that the Lord Jesus was greater than Moses. They did not believe that the Lord Jesus died for all of their sins, so there was no law that could be held against them anymore. They did not really believe that. That was the issue. If you go through the book of Hebrews from chapter 1 to chapter 9, even into chapter 10, you discover that that was the struggle, that that was the issue. That was what the writer was addressing. He was addressing these issues because they were issues. They were issues of concern and that the people, the Hebrews, were not believing the truth that the sin issue between them and their God was over. So also today, people are struggling with the same thing. They do not believe that the sin issue is over, and they have replaced the Levitical priesthood with another priesthood. And people call these priesthoods various things. In some cases, they call them priesthoods. In other cases, they call them pastorates. Either way, they are still looking at these things in the same way, in a very similar way. They are looking at the people in a similar way. They are looking at the law in a similar way. They may not adopt the law of Moses, but they have the laws of their denominations. They have their own laws that they have created. They still believe that the Lord will hold their sins against them. And that's a problem. That's a serious problem. Because the wages of sin is death. And if you believe that it's anything else, anything other than death, then you do not believe in what Jesus has already done for you. That's the only way you can do that. And so that's what people do. They invoke new sacrificial systems. They invoke a sacrificial system of confession or apology or other things in order to deal with that. But when they do that, when you do anything, when you think anything, when you believe anything that leads you to believe that your God still holds your sins against you, then what you have done is you have rejected the forgiveness that has already been executed on your behalf by the Lord Jesus. You are the one who is rejecting the forgiveness of sins that has already been given to you through what the Lord Jesus did for you on the cross. And when you do that, that is sin. And that is a willful decision. That is a choice that you make. That was a choice that they made. And that is what the writer is referring to. He is referring to the willful sin, the continual willful choice to not believe in the complete forgiveness of sins. That's the sin that he is referring to here in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and 27, that was illustrated by the actions and the behavior of the Hebrews. That the Hebrews needed to separate themselves from the law of Moses. They needed to separate themselves from the Levitical priesthood. They needed to separate themselves from the temple from the high priest, and they could do that if they believed in the Lord Jesus, who was greater than all of those things. So you also today, if you don't believe in the complete forgiveness of sins, you need to separate yourself 
from the priesthoods that you are attached to. You need to separate yourself from the temple or from the church that you're attached to. You need to separate yourself from the high priest or the leader who is continually reminding you that your sins are still held against you. You need to separate yourself from all laws that exist in your life if you're going to walk in the newness of life that is based on resting and trusting in what your God has already done for you. You need to do that. Otherwise, you are committing sin by not believing and trusting in the complete forgiveness that has already been granted to you. That is a willful sin. In other words, if you're not going to believe in what Jesus has done for you, then there's no other way that you will be able to obtain reconciliation or forgiveness for your sins. The only other way you can do it is to reduce the seriousness of sin, and that is a sin. That is evil. You cannot reduce the seriousness, the evil nature of sin without committing a sin by doing so. And so for those who do not believe in the complete forgiveness of sins, they are sinning willfully against the Lord Jesus. And I believe that's what the writer is referring to. If you go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, what is the knowledge of the truth? The truth that there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. If you believe that there still remains a sacrificial system for sins, then you are continually sinning willfully. And it doesn't matter what that sacrificial system is. It may not be the shedding of blood, but it may be confession. It may be apology. It may be all these other things that people employ. Regardless of that, you have to recognize that if you're not going to believe that there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, then you have violated Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, where it says, there no longer remains a sacrifice for that sin. And all you have to truly look forward to, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries, which is you. You are the adversary of God. You are the adversary of the gospel. Now, you may very well be saved. You may be saved because you believe in the true and living God and because you believe in the Lord Jesus is your Messiah and you believe that he died for your sins. You may believe other things that contradict that truth. However, you may at least believe that. And I do believe, I do believe that the Lord can discern these things, can deal with these things, and he may have a place in heaven for you, even though there are some things that you believe that are not true. However, even though you are saved, if you don't believe that the sin issue between you and your God is over, if you don't really believe that, then you may live with a terrifying expectation of judgment. It doesn't mean that you're going to be judged. It doesn't mean that you're going to be cast in hell. It doesn't mean that it is the end of you. It doesn't mean that. It just means, according to verse 27, that you will live with a terrifying expectation of something that will not come to pass. That's what I believe. I sincerely believe that Hebrews chapter 26 and 27 refers to somebody who will not believe that the sin issue between them and their God actually came to an end, that it is no longer a concern. It is no longer an issue between them and their God. 
that that's who these verses are addressing. And I do believe that there are many people who are listening to this broadcast right now who fit into this category. I do believe that there are a lot of people, I know that there are a lot of people who are listening to this broadcast right now who fit into this category. And I want you to think about this very seriously. I really do. I pray that you will seriously consider this and look at these verses again and again and pray about these and ask the Lord concerning these to give you some discernment concerning what is being communicated here. To make a real decision concerning this, to recognize that you're not getting all the sin out of your life, that you are continually sinning, that if your sin is going to be held against you, then you better deal with this. You had better deal with this. And I believe that there's only one way to correctly understand what is being said here. And that is to recognize that the sin that he is referring to is your refusal to believe in the complete forgiveness that you truly have. And there are, of course, a number of things that people believe, that people do, that demonstrates that they do not believe in the complete forgiveness that they have. And so I would like to encourage you at this time to review the subject of forgiveness, to review this subject and to really consider the importance of sin, the importance of forgiveness, and move on. Move on from this, because in verse 28 it says, Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve? doesn't mean that you're going to get it, it just means that you would deserve it. Who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. You have been sanctified because of the blood of the covenant, because of what Jesus did for you. You have been sanctified. Do not trample underfoot the Son of God and regard what he has done for you as unclean and insult the Spirit of grace. In verse 30, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now again, if you have been completely forgiven, this is not going to be an issue between you and your God. But if you believe that you have not been completely forgiven, then you've got to take this seriously. You've got to recognize that this is the way that you perceive your God is going to refer to you. That you believe that this is how He is going to relate to you. That this is what is going to happen between you and your God. He's going to condemn you, and it's going to be over. So take it seriously, and I will continue in the next broadcast. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you, man.